Welcome once again to our Wednesday Bible study, this study being May 6th, 2020. Let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, and our most gracious God, we thank you for all of your natural resources you have entrusted to us. We need your life-sustaining resources in our daily lives, and we rely on them for our existence. Quite often we take your gifts for granted. For that, we would ask forgiveness. One of your resources we rely on is water, and quite often we do take that for granted. There are many of your people on this earth that don't have easy access to life-sustaining water. Please help us to be ever mindful of that fact and to do something about it. We ask this in your Son's name. Amen. If you remember last week, we learned about the encounter between Jesus and the Samaritan woman at a well. Several of you reached out to me after you listened to the Bible study specifically in regard to the term living water. In the first century, living water would have referred to a stream, creek, or river because the water in them is flowing and moving as if it was alive. So I think we would all agree that water is important to us for many reasons. First and foremost, to help sustain our lives. We rely on water for many things, and I'll name just a few of them. Energy production, coolant for our automobiles, washing clothes, bathing ourselves, recreation, cooking, and the list could go on and on. Well, right now, some of you may be thinking, gosh, he didn't mention baptism, which for us Lutherans is of utmost importance. Don't worry, I'm going to get to that. You may also be wondering why I've not mentioned what scripture we will be using for this Bible study today. Well, let me give you a few statistics. I did a search for the word water, and it is found 764 times in 594 verses and 46 books of the Bible, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. My search was based on the NIV translation. In the New Revised Standard Version that we have in our pews in our church, the word water occurs 770 times. Regardless of which translation the search is based on, I would venture to say that water was very important in biblical times. I would like to get you actively involved in this Bible study, so now would be a good time for you to pause this podcast, open up your Bible, and start reading at Genesis. And let me know when you get to the last chapter of the book of Revelation. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Obviously, I'm just kidding. I know we all have a lot of time on our hands these days, but we don't have that much. The word water occurs eight times in the first 10 verses of the Bible. In my humble opinion, that sets a standard for how important water was in biblical times. In Genesis, we learned that God created the water 
and all the creatures that inhabited the water, and he said it was good. In chapter 2 of Genesis, we get a description of the Garden of Eden, and in the garden is the tree of life and a river flowing out of the Garden of Eden. We also learn between the characters of Adam and Noah, there was a great amount of wickedness in the world. God used water as one of his tools to fight evil and wickedness. As a result of all the wickedness and corruption, God instructs Noah to build an ark. God instructed Noah and his family, along with pairs of animals and birds, to board the ark. In order to cleanse the world of wickedness and corruption, God brought a flood of water that lasted until the earth had been cleansed. God made a new covenant with Noah and promised never to flood the entire earth again. We are reminded of that promise every time we see a beautiful rainbow. As we move into the book of Exodus, we see where Pharaoh uses the water of the Nile River to drown every Hebrew boy that is born. How devastating that must have been to all the Hebrew families that were under the rule of Pharaoh. So much death came in the Nile River, but a glimmer of hope floated down the Nile River in a small basket. That glimmer of hope was named Moses. Water also played an important role when Moses and Aaron were pleading with Pharaoh to let their people go. God commanded Moses and Aaron to turn the water in the Nile River into blood. After Pharaoh had been subjected to so many plagues, he gave in and freed the Israelites. But right after they were fleeing from Egypt, the Israelites encountered their first obstacle, a large body of water. At God's command, Moses parted the waters and the Israelites crossed safely. But they were followed closely by the Egyptians. Pharaoh just couldn't stand it. Once again, at God's command, Moses allowed the water to flow back over the Egyptians. Two great examples of how God used water to save as well as to cleanse. The Israelites' thankfulness for being freed from Egyptian oppression didn't last very long because they began to grumble to Moses and Aaron about a lack of water. As you remember, at God's command, Moses struck a rock and provided water for the Israelites. Another example of life-giving power of water. Also in the book of Exodus, we learned that water was used to cleanse people before they made sacrifices or worshiped. In the book of Leviticus, we learned the importance of water and how it was used to clean and rinse sacrificial animals and birds, as well as clean, cleanse the body of humans before they could approach the sanctuary area. The Israelites continued to grumble, and once again Moses struck a rock to provide water. But this time he took credit for providing the water and did not give the credit and glory to God. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses tells the Israelites that God is leading them into a land, a good land with brooks, streams, 
and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills. In the book of Joshua, we learn that water was regarded as a necessary life-giving resource. Whenever people traded, bought, or otherwise acquired property, it was important that the property had springs of fresh water. In the book of Judges, we learn that God used water to build Gideon's faith and also to determine how many soldiers Gideon would need to defeat the Midianites in battle. Well, we're barely halfway through the Old Testament, but water has been firmly established as being necessary to sustain life. In the book of Samuel, we learn that water was used as a tool of war. If you cut off water from your adversaries, they would soon give up or die. In the book of 1 Kings, we see Elijah was trying to talk some sense into the Israelites and get them to turn away from worshiping other gods. God orders Elijah to make a sacrifice, dig a trench around it, and fill it full of water and douse the sacrifice three times with water. The people surely would have thought as Elijah prayed for the Lord to bring fire down on the sacrifice, there was no way it would burn with all that water on it. In this circumstance, God used water along with fire to establish that he controls his resources. In the book of Chronicles, Hezekiah built a tunnel and channeled water from a spring and diverted it around the city of David. And as we move into the book of Job, we see how water plays a huge part in establishing the imagery of suffering when water sources are dried up. In the Psalms, we learn of raging, life-threatening water, as well as cool, quenching, life-sustaining water. Isaiah was one of the major prophets in the Old Testament. In concert with God, Isaiah paints a future picture with an abundance of water and also offers a veiled introduction to living water. I'll read a few verses. First is from Isaiah 41, verse 18. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. And the next short reading is from Isaiah chapter 43, verses 15 and 16. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your King. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. The next comes from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 and 2. And this is an invitation. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost to give drink to my people, my chosen. Well, a quick summary would, would 
look like God is promising water in chapter 41. It will return to previously parched grounds. Then in chapter 43, he is emphasizing his role as creator. And in chapter 55, he is issuing an invitation to all that are thirsty. Now, if you'll allow me to back up just a little bit, and usually I don't do that, but I'm going to back up to chapter 40 in Isaiah. Um, usually these stories are supposed to build on themselves, but I think you'll see where I'm headed with this one. Isaiah 40, verse 3, and here is the reading. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now, let's fast forward about 700 years after God's words were spoken through Isaiah. And trust me, there's plenty of references to water between Isaiah and my next scripture selection, but we just don't have time to cover all of them today. You will certainly recognize the setting. This comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 3, beginning with, with verse 13 and going through verse 17. Here's the reading. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Remember Tim Mackey and his team at Bible Project. They tell us that the Bible is one unified story that leads to Jesus. Backtrack with me one more time all the way to Genesis when God formed the water that sustains life. And then when God provided safe passage through the water to save his people. And now we see Jesus, who is our salvation, coming up out of the water after he is baptized. And immediately after Jesus comes out of the water, Jesus is introduced to us by God the Father. And the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus, just as it does on us at our baptism. The Word of God, in and with the water, is the life-giving water we receive at our baptism. Before I land the plane, I want to share a few more Bible verses. The final verses will come from the book of John and the last chapters of the book of Revelation. Here's a reading from John chapter 7 verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them.
And now several readings from Revelation. Revelation 21, 6. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Next, Revelation 22, verse 1. And this is a depiction of Garden of Eden's restoration. And also in chapter 47 of Ezekiel, if you have time, you might want to check out where he has a vision of a river flowing from the rebuilt temple and restoring the once parched land. Here's the reading. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down to the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for healing of the nations." And finally, Revelation twenty-two seventeen. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Wow. Thank you all for traveling with me today on a journey from creation to a glimpse of final restoration and how water is an important element in, in this overall story. Based on what I learned preparing for this Bible study, I certainly hope I never take water for granted again. 